Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. your Bibles, you can open to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Uh, you kind of see the title, but I'll give it to you in just a moment where I'm going with that, obviously. But um, I, I, want to, uh, I want to take just a moment here and do a push for something that we want you guys to be aware of. How many has sent your children to kids camp before? Anybody? In, uh, we, we have... Uh, especially here in Savannah, we have, uh, we join, we're going to the Adamsville campus, our LTK, uh, Love and Truth Kids, they'll be going over there, our crew will be going, and all of our campuses, all five campuses will be right there, uh, if you, uh, I think the, de- I'm obviously the deadline's over, but if you have a desire or an interest to see what happens in that, uh, I would say, parents, and obviously you'll have to be able to, uh, to pass a background check and all those great things, but it's, it's a very, I mean, it's powerful. It even ministers to us when we go and watch and see what God's going to do, but it's going to be uh, pretty powerful. But we're, we're, in a, we're in need of having some, some parents and maybe others that just want to volunteer and help that become successful. Uh, especially from our campus. So uh, I just want to encourage you and just do a push for that. I believe that there may be some of you that might get in there and get get a word for yourself. Something might be, I was talking with Matthew White, first service, and those of you, he's he actually does a lot of the praise and worship over there. And he was, his grandparents come to our, our church, and he was telling me, he said, last year I was there, and he said, Pastor Chris gave me a word um, that I'm still hanging on to, and he said his and he was serving in it, like, you know, doing a lot. He was at the a lot of doing a lot of stuff. So, if if that's something that you're interested in, please, 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 you can mark that on the back of your connection card, uh, honestly, or or you can just do it digitally and just let us know that on your connection card digitally. Let us know that you'd like to become a part and help with that because we we want to make sure that that's going to be successful. I'm telling you it's it's powerful. Those children and we say this often but they don't receive junior holy spirit. They receive the same spirit. Many of them they get saved there for the first time. They get water baptized and that whole pro- they come back to their campuses and get water baptized. Many of them get filled with the holy spirit. It is a powerful, powerful, life-changing experience for them. And so I just wanted to do that push for some of you that would be interested in that. We, we, want, we, we would love for you to be a part of that to make that, make that successful uh, for all of the children as well. Um, you probably came in and received this. We'll do this at the end. So if you're, you're not feel comfortable taking communion with us, that's okay. You can be dismissed at the end. But we'll uh, just wanted to make sure that that's available for you. I, I want to uh, jump right into the book of Romans chapter 6. And I, I want to talk to you about a subject this morning that many talk about often uh, and ask the question of, do I really need to be baptized? Is it important? What's the importance of me being baptized? And not just being baptized, but honestly... What what happens in that? What's the need for that? And it's 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 not just something that you, we we dip you into the water and you come out and all that stuff. Uh, I want to 
I want to teach this line upon line this morning and just in order because I, I want you to get it. But here's the deal. I gave you notes with a lot of uh, scripture to it because I want you to have something that you can look over for the next two weeks because here's the deal. If you're teetering on the fence about being water baptized, being re-baptized, my encouragement to you is, is you've got the notes to study for yourself. All right, you can you can take my word for it. Uh, I would rather you read it so that God opens your eyes for yourself, so that when you when you see it, you can't unsee it. When God reveals it to you, it's a, re- a revelational truth that's always been, but now it's like, oh man, this is real. I see it for myself now. Why do we baptize the way that we do? It's not a denominational thing. We pull it straight from Scripture. Okay, so what I want you to do is everything that if you've even if you've been baptized for, and you've been into, you're saved, sanctified, filled, well, you know, that whole deal. Water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, all that. Listen, I'm going to hopefully hit on some things that's going to be in your, your wheelhouse as well. So um, today, this is for all of us. It's not just for those that have been water baptized. There's more to the story, as the saying goes, than that. So, But I want to come from this perspective. People say, do I have to? Well, if Jesus did. If Jesus did, and I don't see Jesus, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah, but I, I still, <laughs> I want to see Jesus when I look at you, but we're not, we're not uh, God incarnate. I know that he was fully man, but he was, or he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And if Jesus did, then we, I believe that we should as well. If you want fullness, if you want the fullness spiritually, you want deliverance mentally and emotionally and healing physically. Sometimes we've seen that happen in the baptismal tank. I'm just telling you, if Jesus did it, then I believe that it's for us today as well. So Romans 6 verse 3 says, or do you not know that all, say all, all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Paul is talking to believers, okay? He's not talking to just anybody at random. He's talking to the believers at Rome, the church at Rome, have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death. So there's identification with Jesus. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that, or in other translations, it says in order to because the scripture is all about order, the order and the structure. There is a process. God is a God of order. In order that you do this because of, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, right? That's you coming up out of the water. When you go into the water, you're buried with him. When you come up out of the water, you're raised to life, newness of life with him through the glory to the Father so that we too may walk in the newness of of life. And if I could just read this, this is not in the notes, but I want to read this. Uh, in verse 5, it says, For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall always be in the likeness of his resurrection. I believe that it's so important to understand that as we talk about water baptism today, what exactly does it do? Not just for me, what 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 did he what does it do? What does it do through me? Not just for me, but through me, what happens in the process? Baptism is your personal identification with the greatest human act in history. When, and we looked and said, what is the greatest human act? That is the life of Jesus, the death, the death that he died, the burial, the resurrection. Because if you don't have resurrection, you don't have Christianity. 
So we believe that he raised from the dead. He ascended to the Father, and he is enthroned. He is king, all right? Many people know him as uh, as, uh, Savior Jesus, the one that saved me, but they don't know him as Lord or King. That you, you need to understand something. You you do understand that when you get saved, we love him as so he saved me, I'm not going to hell. It's great. But you understand that he becomes Lord, right? And if you don't understand that process, you need to go back and study what the lordship of Jesus means. It means he owns all of you. He every bit of you, he owns you. Spirit, soul, body, all aspects and dimensions of the triune being, the three-part human human being, soul, spirit, soul, and body. He, I am, I am, he's mine. My finances belong to him. My relationships belong to him. I hit that first service, won't go there. So water is, I don't like to say it this way because it sounds kind of crazy, but it is the essence of our life. You, your body is predominantly made up of water, right? We understand that without it, you're going to die. Three days on a, on a complete fast is all that you can go without water. After three days, you will die unless it's a supernatural act of God. You need water in your body. Um, and, and, and the the Hebrew people associate water um, at times to chaos and destruction. Look through it. They're land dwellers. The Hebrew people are land dwellers. They, they don't spend a lot of time on the ocean and on the seas. They, they're on the land. Now, I know we have fishermen and we got things like that, but the Philistines were those that would build ships and they would set out and do war on sea. But the Hebrew people ain't going to do it. It's like, water? No, I'm good. Have you seen what's in the water? I ain't getting in it. We go to the ocean. I am not, I'm just, I'm nervous as a cat. I got the kids. I'm like, looking. anything touches my leg, I'm walking on water, out of the water. I'll just say that. Anyway, so some of y'all swim out there deep. That's great. Go and be a good snack for a big old great white. I'm out. I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. So I identify with the Hebrew people on this process. But in Genesis 1, we have chaos. You have the earth and the heavens are being created, and the scripture says that, that the earth was out former void and water, and, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the deep. So even in that process, even in the midst of all of that, the Spirit of God is hovering over this, and, and he's speaking over that. We see with the story of Noah, story of Noah, God cleanses and washes out uh, all of the evil that's on the planet, and he destroys it by water, and he gives us a rainbow. Can I give you a little tidbit? Which way is the bow bent? It's away from the earth. Why? When you shoot a bow, that bow is bent at whatever you're, gonna, you're fixing to destroy. The bow is bent this way. So God said, I will never again. I'll bend the bow the other way. It doesn't belong to the LGBTQ, ABCD, ZL, whatever you got. It doesn't belong to them. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing for us to understand that he will never again destroy the planet. So the bow is bent the opposite direction. And it's... Amazing because when we look at this, he, he takes one family, puts them into an ark, and he saves them in the midst of all of that. With Moses, we have the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. They come to this, this ocean. Again, the Hebrew people stop and say, we see water, Moses. We were back in uh, bondage. We took the lamb that we named, and we, oh, you told us not to, but we did it anyway. And you told us you couldn't just eat the chops that we enjoyed. We had to eat the whole lamb. That's, you, that means you've got to eat all of Scripture. You can't just eat the parts that taste good to you. You with me? So they had to eat the whole lamb and do it quickly. So that's where I get off the hook because I eat fast. Eat it quickly. 
But they took the blood and they applied it to the lentils of the door, the doorpost. For what purpose? So that they're covered by the blood of Jesus. That's what it signifies. So salvation in that moment. They're led out. But they're not just led out and they go to the Red Sea. Uh, God tells them, says, hey, uh, go knock it on some doors and tell them, say, give me all of the gold and the silver and the articles in your home. So they start knocking on doors and they say, give me what you got. Guess what? Now, don't do this, okay? Somebody will call the law on you. You go, if you show up my house, I got something, all right? I'll just say that. I got my peace. I do. I, I'm packing, all right? But they show up at the Egyptian houses and they start knocking on doors and they say, Look, give me what you got. And the Bible says that they left out of Egypt in, I mean, they were up in abundance and prosperity. They didn't go out broke, all right? But not only just that, it said that there was none weak or feeble among them, which means that God healed all of them, and we've said this a lot. So the, those that had the hip and the back and the knee and the leg problem, the old, the old uh, injuries from whatever, they were completely healed coming out of Egypt, and God leads them. And first off, he doesn't let their clothes wear out over that whole period of time. They're led to the Red Sea. They see this and look at Moses and say, Water. We don't do water. And so Moses parts the Red Sea. Not, they didn't just walk. They didn't walk across on muddy ground. It was completely dry. So God leads them across. So water baptism, I'm just give it to you right here. So maybe you're saved, but maybe you need to be delivered from some things. And maybe you need some, uh, some dead Egyptians floating in the water because when they got across to the other side, the sea closed. And God didn't just destroy the army. The, the king was in the army with them. Pharaoh was in the army with them, so they all drowned and sunk to the bottom of that ocean. And that was exploits that had been told from generation to generation. To ge it's mentioned all throughout Scripture. Remember what the Lord did. Remember what the Lord did. So when you get water baptized, you need to look back and say, I'm, I'm going to apply my belief to what God can do when I go into the waters of baptism because it's going to drown some things. It's going to kill some things and destroy some things. That's powerful to know of what the water can do. And Matthew, if I could take you and just, let's just jump into Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, if you would flip over there. Matthew chapter 3, here is a, a section of Scripture where Jesus is, is being baptized. And there's so much that happens in the, this whole process, so I want to I wanna walk you through this. Matthew chapter 3, th uh, 13 through 17, um, we, uh, let's just read it. 13 says, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan. Coming to John to be baptized by him. Now, understand something. What John's about to tell him is he's trying to stop him. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, we, let's, let's rethink this thing. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have the need to be baptized by you, and yet you're coming to me. Why did John want to be baptized by Jesus? What kind of baptism does Jesus give? It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. We see an outpouring somewhere on past the Gospels into a book called Acts. Not the Acts of Jesus, the Acts of the, the Apostles. There's an outpouring that takes place, but, and it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and, who, and that there was cloven tongues of fire that set up on and separated on each and every one of them. Now, whose baptism is that? That's Jesus' baptism. Can I just connect the dots to you? John's saying, wait a second. I know what you, I know that you're, I want your baptism. 
I'm a pro- he was a prophet. He could see it. He knew it was going to take place because he believed the words of the prophets. Right? John was the greatest of all prophets. And he's water baptizing. The story about John, just in short, John was in Scripture, uh, or he's mentioned and, and throughout history, is he was one of the Essenes. And the Essenes were, they were a, a very radical group of people, very stoic and very, uh, very, very pious, very loyal. John was, was a Nazarite. If you study the Nazarites, they were very, 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 I mean, they walked a fine line. They, they didn't deviate. They didn't associate. If they, went, they didn't go to funerals because they weren't supposed to hang out around funerals, around dead people. You wait. Some of y'all are like, I can't associate. I'm going to be dead people in here right now. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But he didn't do that. And uh, so John was a radical, and the, the path that they walked was a very strict path. And so for Jesus to come to John and be baptized by John, Jesus was saying, permit it to be so to fulfill all righteousness, John. I need you you got to do this because we're going to fulfill the word of the Lord, the prophets that have spoke before us, but I'm also letting everybody know I'm doing this right. I'm going to walk straight, and I'm going to walk narrow. Now, I know he's Jesus. We know he's God incarnate. But at the same time, I believe it's for you to understand when you walk into that tank, you're making a declaration and a public confession before the people. I'm going to walk straight. I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes. You know, we're not perfect. We got that. But my heart says I'm following Jesus. He is going to become my teacher. He's, I'm going to become his apprentice and his disciple because discipleship is not easy. It's not. Now, I'm going to break this apart and teach it, but you, you got to understand something. You, you don't always get to do what you want to. In the process of discipleship and as an apprentice of Jesus, which means i got to follow closely behind what, what he wants, his teaching. His, the yoke that Jesus is talking about is not an actual oxen yoke. It's the yoke of his teaching. That's what he's saying. you got to embrace this. It has to be on you, right? So, John is... That's he's that's the backstory with John the Baptist. I love I love that about him. Him being a scene. If when you when you study that's really interesting, really cool. But but Jesus tells him, allow for this time. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Sixteen. As after he was baptized, uh, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Out of the water, the heavens are ripped open to fulfill Isaiah sixty four. The heavens are ripped and torn open. I don't think they just parted. I believe they were rended. That's what Isaiah said. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Rip them open and come down. And it says, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus shows us in this whole uh, process, again, did he need to be? Because he had no sin to wash away sin. He was fulfilling the call. There's a lot of things there with that. But what does Jesus show us at first with water baptism? Now, again, if you're thinking about rebaptism, do it for sure. I, I can't explain. I was looking. I was like, maybe everybody in the room has been baptized. I don't want to take it for granted. But just open your heart and let's go for it. The first thing that Jesus shows this is that we're doing this. He was obedient. There's obedience. So that's your first feeling, obedience. There is, his heart was obedient to what he was asked to do. So let me reiterate, if Jesus did, right? If Jesus did, he was obedient. And look what obedience opened up. I love it because he said, allow it, for this is the way that I'm supposed to do this. The next thing that Jesus shows us out of this place of obedience, that's really simplistic. We understand that, right? 
He shows us that where our acceptance comes from. He's fixing to show you something very powerful. The second thing after obedience is validation. So we see this in verse 17. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, this is my. The father speaks over the son and says, this is, he's mine. He's my son. So many of us, we don't understand We don't understand sonship or what it means to be a son and daughter in the kingdom. Therefore, we don't understand our position because we're still looking for validation from other people. Y'all awake this morning? I know it. I'm sorry. I just too Pentecostal from time to time. I need an amen. Uh, But uh, uh, the message, I love the message version. It says this. It says on verse 17, along with the spirit a voice, this is my son, listen to this, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. I love that. That's what the Father speaks over Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Jesus hasn't performed a miracle. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't preached a sermon. I mean, he's went into the temple at the age of 12, and he's teaching rabbis, but that's, all, that's the last time we hear about Jesus. We, and then it's just like this period of 14 years or uh, 16 years where we don't hear about Jesus. Where's he at? Right? Have no clue. And all of a sudden, he pops out. He's walking, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's baptized, and all of a sudden, everything begins to shift and change for Jesus in a moment. And I I believe that there's so many of us, we're struggling because we can't seem to get the notoriety that we've been desiring to get that promotion. And it's been because God's trying to hide you. He's trying to keep you in a place of obscurity. Jesus was 30 years in obscurity. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, was 30 years. Listen, all right, now, for those of you that say, I'm, I've been baptized, I'm talking to you now. You ready? For those of us that think, I've been, I've been in hidden for a long time, and, and, and I, I don't understand. When's my time? My time is running out. Jesus was 30 years in obscurity, and then come out, of the, come out of the wilderness, come out of nowhere, and then three and a half years. God did more. Jesus did more than three and a half years than any of us will ever do in our lifetime. The Bible says that if the works of Jesus were, bu- were put into books, I don't think even the, the books of the world could host what he did. So it's okay to be hidden, and you better not pray for God to remove you from a place of obscurity until it's time. That's a word for somebody. You're crying out for someone to notice you, notice you, but your validation is in the wrong place. You're looking for the wrong voice to validate you, and nobody else can validate you but God himself. And you don't want anybody. You don't want to, I hate to say this, it's going to be, well, I don't know if we can edit this out or not. You don't want to brown nose your, your way into a position that you can't even sustain through your character or integrity. I'm just saying. I pray that often. God, don't let me succeed before I'm ready. Don't ever give me, not just a natural stage, but don't give me any influence that I have no ability to sustain. I want to make sure that the character and what I'm doing behind closed doors is who I am out front. I still jack it up a lot. I'm sorry, God, forgive me. I'm I'm a good repenter. I'll just tell you that. Right? Just saying, the validation. Now, let's take this a little bit deeper with validation because I'm telling you, I believe when the heart's right, God will break every chain off of you. I do. I believe that. It's not always just coming to an altar call. It's, it's a process. I just told you that discipleship is a process, right? Layers. Layers. This has to be peeled back. We just dive deeper and go deep. You with me? Go deeper. That's what we want. Here's what Jesus shows us is that the validation came after the obedience. When he was obedient to go into the waters of baptism, well, that would have happened anyway, would it? I'm going to just ask the question. Would, would the voice of the Father still spoke over the Son had he had not gone through the waters of baptism? I, I think he had, 
He did it to fulfill all righteousness. This was the calling. This is what he was supposed to do. So the validation didn't come before the obedience. Well, I'm just waiting for this to happen. And then I'll, no, no, no. What do you know you're supposed to do? What is your act of obedience right here and right now that you know you're supposed to do, but you haven't done? Man, I got to keep going. I could preach that a long time. Woo. So many times we want the, the validation before. We want it before. We don't want it after. We want it now, right? I need it now. Everything's, give it to me quick. But before Jesus does the first miracle, the Father has already spoke over him. He's his cherished and loved son. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father in flesh. Jesus only did what he heard his, or what he saw his Father do, and he only said what he heard his Father say. He is, he is obedient to the T with his Father. And here's, here's what we need to understand is that people validate you based on what you can do and serve the purpose for them in your life. They wait for you. They, wait, they will look and say, what value can you bring to me? Anybody ever recognize that? Now, you can't get bent on that. People don't, because you'll, you'll, be, you'll walk around all the time offended because everybody always needs something and wants something. We're all in the same place. We, we have needs and wants. You need other people. You need, everybody needs to be loved. And everybody needs to be needed, right? It's part of the process, but we can't walk there. God does not validate based on your performance. Got me? God does not validate, validate based on your performance. He validates based upon the relationship, the connection that I have with him. I'm validated through that. I don't, I don't live, if I could say it this way, that so many spend so much time on social media trying to cultivate likes, trying to cultivate a following on social media, trying to build their platform in that regard. But God, God is, I'd say something a little bit churchy, for a moment, well, not really just churchy, but maybe a little cliche. Um, we we are not we're not defined by the likes of many on social media. We're truly defined by the love of one. If you're going to social media to find validation, that's really messed up, right? God did not validate what Jesus would do; He validated. Who he was. That's what he validates, not the things that he was about to perform. So think about it this way. When you know someone more important approves of you, it makes the opinions of others less significant, right? If I know that God approves of me, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Now, we respect all people, but if God approves, think about it, your boss, you just got to please one person, right? We tell our staff, you ain't got to please them, but just me and I. Pastor Eddie, that's it. But think about it for a moment. If someone more important walks into the room, someone more important in your world, like spouses, wives, and husbands, you better not be, it, nobody else's opinion matters. Your significant other, that's the only opinion that matters, right? And everybody else, it doesn't matter. But that, that's just something, a heart check, check your heart in that. So many times, we're seeking validation and acceptance from people that don't even like themselves. Isn't that interesting? Well, I didn't, you know, I just need them to, but why? They don't care anything about you. I'm spending time on this because I'm trying to make sure and hit every toe before I walk out, right? Because I know I've been here. And, and times that I have to come before the Lord and go, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Because I'm allowing the fear of man to put me in a box. 
I'm allowing the, what, what is somebody going to think? Uh, for goodness gracious, I'm coaching an 8U all-star team. And that's just, I, I've had to finally come to the point. We was talking to that. I said, I'm done. I don't care what moms and dads think. Hey, I love Jesus. If they don't believe that, they need to come to church. That's all I know. It's like, I, I think I'm either crazy yeah, I'm crazy. I'm pretty sure I'm crazy on that part of it. But it, it, you, you come to a point to where I don't care what they think, anybody. Who am, I, who am I here to please? Think about it for a moment. What validates you? Romans 6, just to hit this one last time, I love what verse 4 says, and just to focus on this phrase, we have been buried with him. Dead man tell no tales. <laughs> Dead man can't feel. I'm not trying to make a quote, freak people out with Pirates of the Caribbean, but think about it. Paul, he says in one part, he says, you reckon yourselves dead. Good old southern vernacular, reckon it dead, right? Now, he's saying, when you die to sin, reckon yourself dead. Stay there. Those things that you died to, but you don't just, let me ask you this. What do you do with a dead man? I was talking with my uncle Back in 2011, we were talking about salvation, water baptism, just really just having a theological conversation because he's very, very wise. And so uh, we got into talking about baptism, like is it, is it a necessity? You know, what is that really? And I truly believe it is. I think it, for you to walk in the fullness of, uh, of your relationship with God, you must be water baptized. I just believe that to 100%. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you think about uh, water baptism and and now, this is our conversation. I'm a little bit more transparent than some might like. I said, do, do we sprinkle or do we, of course, the word I'll tell you in a minute, do we sprinkle or do we immerse? And he said, well, let me ask you a question. If someone dies, do you dig or do you just lay them on top of the ground and sprinkle a little dirt on them? I said, well, no. I said, well, you don't leave that casket sitting on top of the ground. You put them in the ground. You bury them. So when... We come to a water tank. That's why we do it, I believe, because the word actually denotes that by immersion. But we put you under because we believe we don't want any of the rest of you coming back to life from time to time that it does. <laughs> right? Any of us. So we, we bury them. That a word, the word immersion, I'll talk about it in just a moment. But it's important to understand. You don't, don't put a little bit on somebody. You put them in the ground. We don't put a little bit on you. We're going to put you under. We ain't going to hold you there, but we'll put you under. As Jesus is coming up, now this is interesting, as Jesus is coming up, his eyes are opened out of the water, his eyes open, and he sees the heavens rip open. And all of a sudden, he sees the Spirit descending down like a dove. What does the dove represent? It represents the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, what could be said was that maybe the peace that you're seeking won't come till there's been an act of obeying what God has been speaking. When Jesus, he's coming up, the Spirit's coming down. Because of the act of obedience, the Father begins to validate after the fact, but he sees this and the peace is coming. Maybe you hadn't found it yet because you haven't fulfilled it yet. Maybe it could be. And in, for many of us today, maybe it's water baptism. I've been saved, been in the church for years and years and years and years. Maybe that you've been sprinkled, but you've never been fully immersed under the water. And maybe today God is saying, it's your day. You want to walk in fullness? It's your day. 
I'm going to say it again. If Jesus did it, we don't have an excuse because we're not perfect. When you look at what baptism does, and it's all laced throughout all of Paul's writings, there's one here uh, specifically. We talk about it often around here because a lot of times people struggle when they hear the word authority. But authority, Jesus was completely 100% yielded and submitted to the Father. He followed according to what the Father asked him to do. He was led by the Spirit into wilderness, right? He's led by the Spirit in all aspects of his life. But one of the things that water baptism does for us is it gives us the power of his name. And I'll go into that a little bit deeper, but it says that the Spirit of God settles on him. The, the Holy Spirit began to direct his steps from that moment on. But the baptism in water gives you authority. When we baptize you in water, what does that speak to? That means that, first off, I am identifying with Jesus through his death. So I go into the water. Death, uh, death repentance of sins going into the water is burial. And when I come up out of the water, I'm rising in resurrection power just as he did. There's an identification process whenever you go through the, the act of baptism. But it's not just something that happens physically. It's something that happens spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It happens relationally. It happens on all fronts because water baptism is a necessity for you to walk into the next level of deliverance. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus, even though he was fully God, fully man, there, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit coming up on him and remaining spoke to the anointing or the approval of God on his life. I'm telling you, it's a little bit of a teaching, but as he walks out and begins to do the works of ministry, after he comes out of the wilderness, he's immediately starts on this trek of signs, wonders, miracles, preaching and teaching of the kingdom of God. It's the same calling that we've all got to walk into. And the, that, that anointing, a man, he was, all, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. So he's saying to us, look, this is the way that you're supposed to walk this out. You have to have the anointing on your life. It's at the baptism of Jesus. Let me say this, the Holy Spirit baptism, that fire that comes, that me being saved, I repent of my sins. Father, I repent of my sins. I ask you to come inside of my heart. Save me. He comes at that moment. God will not turn away from a broken and contrite heart. So his spirit comes and awakens your spirit. You come to life. You go into the waters of baptism. You identify with the name of the Lord Jesus. It's union with Christ. You have dominion with God or dominion in God and union with Christ. That's what water baptism does because you take his name on. I got to slow down, slow down, slow down. But after that, there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that comes. I'm saved. The Spirit of God's in me, but yet the Spirit of God hasn't come upon me for the sake of others. That's the anointing, and that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that two to three weeks ago, we had 15 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke with the other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That's the anointing. It comes in me. For salvation, it comes on me for witnessing. I'm endued with power from on high. Why? So I can be saved. No, what's the purpose of that? He said, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to be witnesses to your local area, your region, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit came on them for the sake of others, not for themselves. You got it? Maybe. I really love talking this vein. This is, I love this. Here, really quick. Now, 
when you go into the water of baptism and we baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a, well, that's just a denomination. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because when we look into Scripture, what the Bible says, all that you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they're baptized after the cross, how did the acts of the apostles do it? They did it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the only name that you can be saved by. That's the name that gives you power. That's the name that gives you exousia authority, that delegated authority that comes from God, that you can act as a son and daughter. You're empowered. It's not impossible. Move. So what comes from water baptism? What comes from it? First thing is this, favor and blessing. Anybody want to be blessed? We'll find out what God's blessing first and bless that, right? But we want to walk in favor. What does this do? Galatians lists this up, and I'm not going to read it all. Put it up if you would, Morgan, really quick. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29, it says that you're all sons and daughters. Now listen to this. This is important. This ties us to somebody of God through faith, through your believing in Christ, you become a son and daughter. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, look at this. You're baptized in water to Christ. And you're clothed with him. There's a, he, he puts, I mean, we're clothed. We put Jesus on when we're water baptized. There is neither Greek nor Jew. He goes through this whole process to basically say it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your creed is. It doesn't matter what uh, your background, your socioeconomical status is. It doesn't matter. He says that um, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. Do you guys know who Abraham was? More blessed, he's the most, I mean, Abraham was a man that walked in extraordinary, not just favor, but extraordinary favor and extraordinary blessing. Why? How? Through faith and obedience. So you're tied to him. Deliverance. The next thing is deliverance. First Corinthians, he said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers who were under the cloud, passed through the sea, this is referring back to Moses, they were all baptized into Moses, into the cloud, into the sea. Water baptism can deliver you. Whatever you're specifically facing right now, mentally, whatever you're facing emotionally, God can deliver you. And it can come through the, the baptism, the waters of baptism. Just as they did when they came to the Red Sea and they walked across. Now, let's, let's talk about this, and we'll get ready to close. AJ, if you would. Why should I be baptized? Why? Why should I? First off, to follow Jesus' example. We follow what he, what he asked us to do. Matthew 3.15, we've read it. Number two, Christ commands it. Christ commands it. Matthew 28.19. Number three, it really demonstrates that I am a believer. I put the references there for you to pick up as well. How should I be baptized? Now, I'm going to give you Strong's Concordance. If you don't believe in Strong's Concordance, I don't know, it's a really good reference. <laughs> it's verified. Very, very great. That's I, I don't read scripture without I've got an app right there and I track words that I don't okay, I don't fully understand because they all have different meanings at certain times. So I want to make sure I get the correct understanding of what they're saying in the context. How should I be baptized? By immersion. And what immersion means 
is to be submerged, to be dipped under. And this is honestly the translation in opposition to sprinkle. You are completely buried under. You were put under. It best symbolizes the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. The word baptize 77 times in Scripture meant to immerse or saturate. I've baptized people before that we couldn't put under, like in a physical tank. So I went to their house. They were fully clothed. <laughs> but we put them, I spoke over them, and we put them through a shower head and just completely saturated their whole body. Because they couldn't, they got down, they wouldn't be able to get back up. We've immersed them. I believe in it. This is the word. This is what it means. Number one, how should I be baptized? Jesus was immersed. We just read it. He was immersed underwater. And every other baptism in the Bible was by immersion. Number two there. I'm I'm going through these so you can have them because I want you to think about it throughout the week if you haven't been. And number three, every New Testament baptism was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things... All, everybody say all. All things are to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Who should be baptized? Every person. Every person who has put their faith in Jesus. When? When should you be baptized? As soon as you believe. Immediately. Can you be rebaptized? Yes. Yes, you can. I believe that when God awakens your eyes or opens your heart to show you things that you've never seen before, I believe it's important to know that. You can do that then. Won't you stand to your feet? Now, I know many of you have been baptized before, but I, I, I just want, I want, to, I want to encourage you. This is a teaching today to really get you something to take home and read into, pray, study for yourself, and know why that we do what we do. I think it's vital and it's important to you. Some of you need to make that decision today to be baptized. But what I will tell you is you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you. On the app, we have registrations. Click on water baptism and register for it. And when you do, when you do, we'll get back with you. But we encourage you to do this. Water baptism is not something that I don't believe for you to, for you to function in the fullness of God, it, it is a must. God wants you to have everything. He wants to bless you. He wants to move in your life. But this is one step in the process to moving into a greater place of freedom and using his name. Do you believe that? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.